0: We live in a world that can be hurtful, a world that can cause a lot of pain, particularly with relationships. And the natural response when you've been wronged by someone is to want to have them punished, to want to have them paid back, to have that pain recognised in some way and some compence made. The helpful thing for us is that God sees everything and God is the judge of everything And ultimately, we'll all answer to our creator. When something goes wrong and it's public knowledge, it only makes it even worse. It's harder to ignore it and move on if everyone knows about it, everyone asks about it. And as the people are forgiven by God in Jesus, how are we to respond? Are we to respond any differently? Will people in our community be looking and seeing what differences Jesus make to the way we respond to hurtful occasions when we are challenged by other people well philemon talks about that and philemon is going to really give us a challenge at the beginning of the book of philemon in verse 3 we're reminded about something that makes a great difference to people who follow jesus verse 3 grace and peace to you so grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ grace and peace Grace is the unmerited favour of God, and Philemon's being reminded about that by Paul right at the beginning of this letter. Because our whole life is based on the unmerited favour of God to us, that we doesn't treat us as we deserve. It's something that you and I rely on daily, constantly. That God does not punish us, but God continues to forgive us in Jesus. I'm uh, often reminded of what Paul has said in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2 verses 1 to 5 where he makes some stark contrast saying that we're dead to God because we're disobedient and we're objects of his wrath but because of his great love we're now saved by grace that unmerited favour and we now have peace with God because we're objects of wrath and going to suffer punishment now we have peace with our God, our Heavenly Father. So at the beginning, Philemon's been reminded of these very important truths, grace and peace. And understanding this will help us to know every good thing we have in Christ, in verses 4 and 5. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints your faith and your love. Now, Paul's giving thanks for for the way God has worked in Philemon in the co-workers in the church that meets in his home. And this reminds me that we didn't find God, that God found us. He opened our minds to understand the dangerous place we're in because of our sin, our rebellion. He showed us his great love for us in Jesus dying to take the punishment we deserve. And our response of faith in the Lord and love for all the saints, the followers of Jesus Christ. And Paul's prayer reveals something important to us. In verse 6 it says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Now, when I first read that, I thought, active in sharing your faith, oh, he's talking about giving your testimony, some sort of verbal witnessing, speaking about Jesus. How wrong I was. Look what happens in verse 4. Look at the context before and after this particular verse. The context in verse 4 is about um, love for having faith and love in verses 4 and 5. The context afterwards in verse 7 is about... Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because your father has refreshed, because your brother refreshed the hearts of the saints. So, in the between, this is talking about faith and love, and then it's talking about love. In the middle, it's talking about active in sharing your faith. You see. Faith and love will always go together in the Bible. And as I look to try and understand what this is talking about, I found another translation, perhaps a bit more accurate, based more on the original text. that said that the fellowship of your faith may become more effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. And the word fellowship there is uh, mean koinonia. It's a, something that's effective and active. It's operating. It's powerful. It's it's a it's a generous sharing. It's a sharing of your lives, not just sharing of a, a few things or sharing of the gospel, but sharing of your whole self with other people. And this is going to come from an understanding of every good thing we have in Jesus Christ. It's going to affect our whole view of life, our view of ourselves, of the world, of other people. How much we're continually being forgiven in Jesus Christ. How much unmerited favour we're receiving the good things that we have when we only deserve wrath and punishment. That we're children of God instead of his enemies. And perceiving all this is going to affect how we view life around us. A fuller understanding of Every good thing in Christ must impact how we view ourselves, the world and others. And this love is spoken about in a letter in very everyday lives because he's talking about refreshing the hearts of the saints at the end of verse 7. That's what this love does. Philemon was obviously a generous Christian who cared for and loved God's people. He was open-handed and generously hearted and in way he reached out to people and in what wealth he had in Jesus Christ. It reminds me of a chorus I, I don't like because it gets in my head and doesn't get out. But it's a simple chorus and it's very true. It's called J-O-Y, J-O-Y, and this is what it means. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Joy, J-O-Y, Jesus first, yourself last, others in between. What an interesting perspective on life. To look to Jesus, to look to others and think about yourself last. Now I find that's very different from my human nature. My human nature says yourself first and the others come afterwards. That's how my human nature keeps wanting to redirect that. But in Jesus Christ, I think that's the right perspective. And when we understand that, then we'll view people in a different way. And look what it says now about how to apply this, because Paul's going to apply this to the fractured relationship that Philemon and Onesimus have. Philemon lives in Colossae in verse 9. Paul says, I appeal to you on the basis then of love. I, as Paul, an old man, also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So Paul's appealing. Appealing about this this faith and love, faith in Jesus and love for one another, this love that refreshes the saints, this love that looks towards other Christians, Paul's making appeal on that basis. And he's making appeal for Anissimus, verse 10. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became a son while I was in chains. A son, such a closeness of a relationship that Paul now has with Onesimus. He calls him son. Now, he's a runaway slave, as we have already know about. He's probably a thief because in verse 18, it talks about, Paul says, if he's done any, any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. So he's done something. He's either cheated or stolen something. And we have the problem that Epaphras, who's mentioned in this letter, is a leader at Colossae, and Epaphras has now come uh, to Rome. Epaphras, as we saw in the cartoon, Epaphras established the church in Colossae, um, and Philemon was part of that. And so Epaphras would know about this runaway slave. When he comes and sees Paul in Rome, he hears this a slave. He knows he's a runaway. And that brings things to a head. By law, if you're a runaway slave, um, your master has right over your life and death, and, and you're in big trouble. In fact, the trouble extends because there's a lot of slaves in the Roman Empire. As they conquer countries, they make people slaves. It's part of their workforce and the way of things running. And there's accumulated by this point, they, are, they think about 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. They're the workforce, they're making things happen. And there's always a problem with slaves because if slaves revolt and and, and sort of like a revolt in a country, then that can unsettle and go to other places and the whole Roman Empire could then have warfare and collapse. It's a very um, dangerous thing. So the idea of controlling revolting slaves is very high on what the Romans want to do. If you ran away the best you could hope for is to be branded with an F on your forehead, which stands for uh, fugitivus, which means a runaway. The worst, you'd be crucified. And because slavery was so ingrained in the ancient world, sending Anissimus back is now at considerable risk to Onesimus. There's also social pressure because as he comes back, Philemon, a member of the community, people know he's a Christian, he's one of the leaders of the church. People are going to look to Philemon as to how he responds. There's going to be enormous social pressure from all the the people who are not Christians around, even the Christians in the church. What example are you going to make of this runaway slave? How are you going to stop more runaway slaves from happening? Are you going to go against the law? What are you going to do? There's great pressure on Philemon. We know Onesimus has been converted under Paul's ministry. He's been kept there and Paul has seen that his conduct is proving the truth and sincerity of his conversion. But one evidence of true repentance consists in going back and returning to correct practices that had been done wrong or neglected. So to go back and sort out about being a runaway slave. Verse 11 says that formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful to both you and me. There's been a transformation in the life of this slave, a transformation that happens in everyone who turns and follows Jesus as Lord. A good thing, something to be recognised and celebrated. And so Paul then says in verse 16, receiving back not as a slave as a brother in Christ. Welcoming someone back who's made a mistake. Too often we can regard such person with suspicion, saying, well, you've been caught out because Epaphras has seen you and you've had to come back, and we cannot be prepared to trust them. We can believe that God forgives, but we ourselves can find it difficult to forgive others. When someone makes a mistake, the way back is very hard. And we don't want to be seen by God to make it harder because of our lack of sympathy or our being self-righteous. We don't know how this ends. I hope it ends well. I think it would. But it does illustrate that transformation that happens in Jesus and that how we need to view other people people that we've known in a certain way and now have changed and what difference does Jesus Christ make in them? But I think out of this passage, most of all, is coming the idea of being active in sharing your faith, not just verbally in talking about Jesus, but how we live our lives in relation to other people, how we show the love of Christ to others. We all know the great commandment, don't we? To love God with our whole being, body, soul, heart and mind. To love our neighbour as ourselves. The two go together. If we love God, we're going to love one another. If we have faith in God, we're going to love others. The two are intimately joined. And it's going to give a fuller understanding for us in Christ as we do that. Because I find myself, if I'm wanting to try and love other people, who am I thinking about? Not myself. If I want to love other people, I'm thinking about them and I'm thinking about Jesus. And that's a really good place to be. It raises the whole question, is there someone this will apply to right now in our lives, in your life, in mine? Does someone spring to mind that we're we're not going so well with and we need to do a bit of work on loving them? Do we need to change our attitude? Do we need to change our response in some way? And look how the letter ends. The letter ends with something to help Philemon and to help you and I. Because the letter reminds us it's all about Jesus. And Jesus is at work in us to make this possible, to make this happen. Verse 25. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Be with us to save us. Be with us to transform us. Be with us also in our memories, in our understanding, in our thinking, in our attitude to others, that we know the grace of our Lord Jesus and we pass that on to people around us. And that'll change and affect every relationship we have for the better. And what a community that'll make us be.